0: I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download. The show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. The advent of the weblog in the mid-1990s saw the start of something that is now so mainstream that it's changed not only the way we consume media, but also what the media is comprised of. By 2002, blogs had started to become notable for breaking and shaping news, and by the time Facebook launched in 2004, the concept of publishing your thoughts, ideas and pictures on the internet was already well established. In 2006, Time magazine named you as the person of the year, referring to the rise in the production of user-generated content on the web. The marketing benefits of UGC have been recognised for many years. Reports have stated that as many as 9 out of 10 consumers say authenticity is important when deciding which brands they support, and 60% believe UGC is the most influential in purchasing decisions. UGC can create greater engagement, build trust and provide endorsement for other marketing activity. But many companies flounder when it comes to UGC, unsure of how to generate content and from whom. My guest today is Emily Forbes, founder of Seenit. Seenit is a video crowdsourcing platform that enables brands to scale and open up the way they tell stories by co-creating video with customers, fans or employees. Emily has a background in video production. She started off in feature films before moving on to documentary filmmaking. This was an area that she said she really loved, discovering a passion for real people, real voices and real perspectives. The idea for Scenic came about while filming a protest in Cape Town.
1: Everyone, as soon as I got to the crowd, was filming on cameras and phones and GoPros and they were so passionate and knowledgeable about what was going on, way more than I was and probably could ever be no matter how much I read. So I ran around the crowd and I said, right, send me anything that you have and I'm going to edit a story together because together our message is stronger as, a, as an idea.
0: As a result of this, Emily was introduced to other people in that network and within a week was pulling video content from an entire country despite having no budget or camera equipment she became excited by the potential of tapping into a world where everything is being recorded in a way that we'd never seen before and started to develop what would become it. The platform was launched in 2014, but though that's only six years ago, camera phone technology has advanced rapidly since then.
1: Firstly, if you look at just from sort of phone's perspective, the quality now that's captured, and still I feel like people are nervous when they think about user-generated video Quality is always one of the first questions that we come up. And I think that when user-generated content first hit the market all those years ago, it was really low quality. People didn't really know what to do with it, but it was this exciting new format. I think where it's moved is now the quality of phones has got so much better. I would say in the last two, even three years, we haven't received content that we can't use. And, and that's a massive step because it means, you know, this content isn't now just appearing on social channels, it's on broadcast TV.
0: So over the last few months then we've we've obviously seen big booms in use of social media by brands particularly it, you know people stopped advertising or felt that they couldn't advertise and a lot of other marketing sort of went by the wayside just because it didn't seem appropriate and a lot of companies seem to have suddenly gone oh my god we need to be better on social media we we need more digital assets have you seen an uptick in seen it use in that time or is it a bit too soon to see that follow through
1: no oh, i mean do you know what we saw it quite quickly so we we did an analysis actually and over the last few months we've seen a 350% increase um in usage on the platform um, wow so it's it's been pretty yeah pretty pretty high and that happened fairly fast which was really exciting to see and i'm so pleased we saw it and i think a lot of that is because the customers we had on the platform we were all set up ready to go with them and they could just get started but we have also been working, you know, again in the last five months with a lot more customers um, who have also been just getting going and jumping in head first.
0: Great. OK. So when it comes to user generated content as a whole, then, why are you such a big believer in brands using user generated content as opposed to brand created content?
1: I mean, I just think it all comes down to, and I know it's a word that's used a lot, but it is all down to <laughs> authenticity. Um, I need a new word. I'll try and think. Of a new
0: <laughs> I think we all need a new word. Yeah,
1: no, every time I do, I'm like, oh crap, it is just the best one. So, um, <laughs> and, and it really is that because it, it's, it's so personal. It's so relatable. Um, but the other benefits of user-generated video aren't just in the fact that it's lower cost. Um, it is super agile you can be really reactive with your storytelling which means then your content is more relevant than if you're waiting for traditional production you can break down barriers that traditional production puts in place with access location schedule where a lot of the time people are shooting content in you know the cities they have camera crews in but what about all those other voices and the people and the customers and the employees who are in other parts of the world? And yeah. By the end of this year, 4 billion people are going to have smartphones in their pockets, which means more you know—more opportunity for voices, more opportunity for stories. And I think for brands not to be embracing that is just going to be such a missed opportunity and, and damage their business in the long run.
0: From your perspective, do you think that things like this, perhaps not yet, but one day could overtake advertising for example i mean and even even if i think so for example um mcdonald's recently came back and opened their restaurants after after lockdown mm. and the, the ad that they came back with featured quite a lot of user-generated content within that that ad yeah. do you think that's a model that could happen going forward do you see that happening
1: a hundred percent i mean i think interestingly you pulled up sort of, or, or mentioned um, mcdonald's uh Burger King and KFC have also done some brilliant ads, quite different, but mm. very user-generated centric or user, you know, customer centric. Um, I think that, you know, advertising, it's, it's marketing, it's communicating. And to do that, you need to engage, you need to build trust, you need to, um, I think, be consistent with whatever message it is that you're putting out there. And user-generated just opens up that possibility to, to extend the communication or, or extend the conversation out so much wider. Um, So yeah, hundred percent, I think that we're going to see user generated play a part in a huge amount of content that we see online. Some of the best examples actually since lockdown are the the examples where brands have kind of got a hybrid of professional content and user generated content, yeah. Um, or it's user generated content with a professional, professionally recorded and storyboarded narrative Mm-hmm. and and what user generated does is it just brings a bit of personality into the story and there was actually one example i was watching earlier from from facebook and it's called we're never lost if we can find each other and they did this pretty quickly after after lockdown the first few opening shots are beautiful and and i thought god this is you know stunning and i'm a big a big admirer of professionally shot content uh, yeah. as a fan but actually the moment that they interjected, user generated, I honestly welled up. Um, and it's because you know that what you're looking at is a real person right in the middle of that situation themselves, and you just connect on a human level. And until I saw that content, I, I thought that the video was beautiful. I enjoyed watching it, it had great music, but it didn't hit me as hard as when I finished watching it, I was almost silent for a minute.
0: And I guess that plays into the fact that as consumers now as just as people, as society, we've become very cynical about what we see, not just advertising, but you know, in the news or anything. I, I guess we're we're almost programmed to think to see beyond it and think what's the reason for this. Um we don't believe things quite as much. Whereas exactly the the example you're using there shows that the reason that resonated with you so much is because mm. you do believe it. Whereas the, the nice polished production, you know, is just advertising, right?
1: I, I think that's, that's so bang on. And you're right. Like our trust has been just eroded um, yeah. and and brands need to realise that. And I think a, a lot of, a lot more brands are starting to, but the most trusted sources are going to be your Communities, they're going to be your customers. Customers will trust another customer. Um, Actually, with corporate content, which is another space I'm really passionate about, the the stats is that employees are trusted three times more than CEOs and leadership. Mm -hmm. Yet I can bet that the majority of the production investment and production spend goes on leadership comms. So then, this, this missed opportunity where these companies have got, you know, it might be like us, we're fairly small, but we still leverage our, our you know team to speak up but all of the time. Or you're in a company where you've got tens or hundreds of thousands of people. And that's where businesses, I think, can just totally scale out what they're doing right now. And it's not to replace the hero content that's very beautiful, but it's to broaden the message and include more voices in that, which are going to then resonate with a wider group beyond that too.
0: Have you seen any specific examples over the last sort of six months, a year that you you think are worth highlighting?
1: One of the biggest opportunities that user generated video brings is it levels the playing field. So regardless of your size of budget or access to equipment, suddenly user generated well that doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. And one example I just want to highlight, which is a, a piece of content that was produced or a series that was produced with a company called Beauty Stack. I'm sure as you saw in the news the government were quite slow to let beauty pros go back to work so what we did actually we supported beauty stack in this and very quickly from the announcement the next day we did a call out and were able to gather in messages from their community from the beauty pro community explaining why they need to bring beauty back the money that they've lost the precautions they're taking the empowerment that it gives them especially as a, a lot of women in business um that video was then picked up by magazines by publishers and um, with the campaign of bring beauty back and the the kind of momentum behind this because it was community generated was was vast um much higher than if it was a professionally shot campaign with maybe one or two voices this was now about 15 to 16 voices across the industry um, and it generated huge traction and, and a lot of support from the rest of the community who wanted to champion community in that story. Mm-hmm. So that's just one where um, it was really no budget, um, super fast turnaround, and acting on something that was happening in the news. That meant that the story, you know, really hit home for so many uh, viewers. Um, and the second example. On the other end of the spectrum, which is Coca Cola, um, they've produced a, a video recently called Open Like Never Before uh, with George the Poet. Okay. And it's a professionally shot video, but they do then pull in user generated moments into the story. And again, at the end of that, because of the powerful narrative and the different um, user generated examples, you just leave completely speechless. And it is probably one of my favorite Coca Cola ads i've ever seen Um, and and that's definitely a hybrid of both so on one side it's no budget super quick and and agile um, and entirely user generated and only went to social channels coca-cola was on tv and social channels and was a hybrid of the both
0: when lockdown started in march this year there seemed to be a real appreciation for some of the raw and unpolished and underproduced content that was made available The likes of Jamie Oliver filming a TV series from his kitchen on an iPhone and Joe Wick's YouTube exercise classes are just two high-profile examples. Over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of speculation as to whether the appreciation for that less-produced content format will last or whether we'll now fall back into more professionally-produced video content. Emily feels that there's a place for both, and what marketers and video producers need to learn is which is suitable and when.
1: There will be times where... I want to sit down and do it, you know, have a Netflix binge. And I really love that I'm watching, you know, drama shot in that way. Mm-hmm. But if I'm about to buy a product, if I want to learn what a company is really like, if I want to really get an understanding of, of, uh, you know, what the customers are saying, it's going to have to be user generated. Um, because I'm not going to believe it if it's just from the brand and it's not mm-hmm. co-created anyway. So I think it's finding the mix of the two. And, and as you say on Jamie Oliver's program, maybe you can get some amazing moments and better shot content if it is filmed on a um you know with a professional crew. Mm. But you're also gonna have some really funny personal moments captured by him and his family and his kids if it's on a phone. Yeah. And there was a program that we um we we worked with Channel Four on actually called Lockdown, my Lockdown Wedding, um where obviously you know COVID hit and, and people were having to get married in lockdown. And this was a show that was produced, it was on TV. Um, and it was a combination of what looked like a little bit more set up professionally shot content and scene it powered or user-generated video that was interspersed with it. I'll probably be biased. I did love everything that was user-generated. <laughs> <laughs> it's the moments in the kitchen and they're stressing and they're making their dinner and they're trying to work out their plans as <laughs> husband and wife. And you just, you just feel very connected to, <clears throat> to the personalities you're looking at. But the combination of both brought the whole show to life so I think it's it's more people taking the time and thinking about with the story I want to tell, the production I want to put together, what, what works best for that. Um, I mean, the other things that I have been hearing a lot since lockdown is, okay, so we need to try and produce professional content, but we also want it to feel user-generated. So we're going to send kits, send boxes, send film crews, and they almost try and stage user-generated. Yeah. And I think that's... For me, that's just a, a kind of no-go. Either go for the user-generated because then you get all the value of it, yep. or go professional because then you get the value of that. But the fake user-generated that I started to see, I think um, back to your point on trust, viewers and users and consumers are becoming smarter than ever to detect that. And if they do detect it, they'll switch off immediately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in your experience as well, do you find that the, the user-generated stuff gets lots more... Um, engagement sort of social engagement than than professional content I mean my assumption was absolutely and I know it's a bit of a silly question because business outcome doesn't really correlate with that but you know is that what you see
1: yes I mean of course uh, yeah we we absolutely do on average we actually see uh, two times engagement so stories are produced when it's user generated again on average at 20% of the cost of production, yet mm-hmm. receive double the engagement. So uh, so absolutely. Uh, people want to, I mean, especially if they're in it, which is why if you do co-create with your crowd, with your community, send it back to them because they'll be proud to put it on their channels. Their friends will be proud to support it because their friends mm-hmm. in it. listen to the message. So it's really just leveraging all the work you've done to build these communities to now become your ambassadors and your marketeers.
0: And how important is the, the overlay on top of that content so you you know you're getting content in and then there's a professional job on top of that in terms of creating an an editorial a narrative and the storytelling part and pulling it all together a bit like some of the podcasts I produce involve lots of different guests and I have to create a narrative and pull the different pits in for this how important is that to you you know I, I mean in one sense it's easy to get the content in but yeah. then turning it into something that's a bit more special is is a skill, I would assume.
1: I, I completely agree. I think you know it's so important. Um a lot of the time people don't think enough actually about that when they start. And mm. just think, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll just we'll just crowdsource, um, you know, videos from this community reviewing this or, or discussing this. They get it in and they realise actually there's not a story here mm-hmm. um, and they need B-roll. I mean, everyone forgets about shooting, you know, if you're mm. talking about how to make your coffee, you know, don't just tell the camera, show the camera as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a bit of the education has to come in. But we always say it's really important to do that planning stage up front, to think about the story, think about the narrative, and then from an editing perspective, absolutely, um, You know, we we work with specialist user-generated editors who know how to pick the best moments from that content and really turn it into a powerful story. But I do also think that as well as working with specialist editors, and yes, it is a skill, I think it can sometimes be over complicated and then people don't wanna take a step themselves. Yeah. Um, and we actually work, we talk a lot around creative confidence in, in the team. Um, And we work with a lot of our customers who've never edited before and we train them on our platform um, just in an hour session and then they can get started to produce these stories. And I think the other piece on the education um, and then the sort of democratization of that is every single scroll on any social channel on Instagram, TikTok, everyone is being educated every single day how to frame, how to shoot, how to build a story, even Instagram stories where you're not editing. But I've watched Instagram stories when it first started and it felt random. It yep. definitely feels now in general like more narratives are being thread through those Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, a, that's a, an exciting opportunity as well as it being a skill. I do think more and more people are able to now tell stories where maybe before they were too nervous to and would rely on agencies or professional production companies only when they wanted something created.
0: It's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. I haven't thought of it that way in that you're right. We're exposed to to video all the time now, whether it's Instagram stories or TikTok or Reels is now come out or, yes. you know, there's so much video yeah. that is effectively user generated and we are exposed to it constantly. And you're right, we must be absorbing that and yep. subconsciously working our way through what makes a good story and what makes a narrative. And so I guess we, we're probably, especially, I hate the phrase digital natives, but the people <laughs> who are growing up with this are going to have an innate sense of of what makes a good piece of video content, right?
1: 100%. and And I've even watched like You know, my mum has got really good at (laughs) videos now. Um, And that's something she'd never do before. If I set her up on, you know, with her laptop and and a editing program, she'd never even try. Whereas now, um, you know, she loves Instagram and she's now doing stories and building narratives in that way. Mm -hmm. And as well as it being in our social lives, I think, you know, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn feed is now video, video, video. So it's also business space, too. And I think that's a really interesting kind of uh, bridge is that people are now expecting in the workplace to be communicated in the same way with the same level and volume of content as they are on their social feeds personally, Um, which does put a huge pressure on businesses, which again, trying to think about how they can scale out what they're doing at the moment and leverage their people to do that with them, um, I think has to be a really exciting step for them.
0: When it comes to producing user-generated content, most brands and organisations understand the power of video and imagery produced by fans and customers. However, many are very unsure about how to get started, how to direct the people who will produce it, and how to get usable content flowing in the first place. One of the biggest misconceptions with user-generated content is that there's often a belief that if a brand calls out for content from fans on social media, it will be inundated with poor quality content that it can't use, that then has to be filtered and evaluated, and that this whole process will use up a lot of time and resource for potentially very little reward. Emily says that the best way to start with UGC is to start small.
1: If you look at some of the examples that are out there, They're probably created with five people, maybe 20 people. You don't need thousands to tell a global story or inclusive story. Um, You need to actually be a bit more kind of thoughtful as to who you want to tell your story with. So the one thing is I'd say is start really small. Don't go straight out with big social call outs um, because also actually it can fall on deaf ears. And if you do a big call out, you'll think, oh, someone else is going to do it and they'll do it better than me. So I'm not going to do it. Whereas if you started with 10, get their stories, you then create with them, um, send the video back to them. They're then going to be so excited, you know, that that their video was chosen, that they were personally asked. Um, And then you can do a slightly bigger call out and you can grow it from there. But always start small. And some of our most powerful stories we've ever put together for customers is when there are probably five to 10 people. Be prepared to sort of think a little bit about what quality means to you. And the reason I say that is, is so much of the time, um, people can be nervous or over overthink, need to want to overproduce and kind of overcomplicate user-generated because they're trying to make sure that the, that the quality is at a certain level. And what you do, yep. you're focusing so much on that. You're not thinking as much about what actually is important. And what's important is that someone is, opening up, they're speaking the truth, they're being themselves, they're relaxing in their own environment. So I think just just take a few minutes before you start to just list out what quality means to you, what is really important in this piece of content, um, and then focus your energy and effort on that. The third bit is, um, I would say, make sure that you engage with your community, give them feedback, give them encouragement, you're doing a great job, we're loving this, thank you so much. Um, and, And work with them. Don't kind of do the call out, get the content back in and then go silent Um, because they probably won't want to re-engage again and then they'll feel nervous and the wrong thing. Um, So that would be just something that, um, you know, making that effort to continue to engage throughout the project is so key. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end of it, co-create with them. What are their ideas for the next ones? What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? Who else could you create with? And they can also almost become your ambassadors and help you with that next project. And then the fourth one that I think is so important is, because you're starting small, don't just think one project, one story, try and, and, and kind of have more of a, a consistent, continual use of this type of content in your communication. Um, because then that's when it becomes really, really believable and trusted. And that's then when you have more people who want to get involved in the stories because they've seen one, two, three before them. Um, so I'd say also be consistent and repeat.
0: Yeah that last point I think is really important actually because again it's, it's like you referred to earlier you can do a call out on social media and it you get nothing back and I've known companies that just drop it at that point or they get through the thing of okay well we've produced something, we're going to put that out and it doesn't get it gets a kind of lukewarm response but it's because you've not programmed people to to expect or respond to this and it's, it's kind of one of these things. Again, like podcasts you've got to give it a decent go because if you just do one, you know, the more you do it, the more it rolls, the, the bigger the effect gets.
1: Exactly. And the more you learn and then the more they learn. And then yeah. it, it's it, it's something where, again, it's sort of just moving out of that, like, just the hero campaign mindset mm. and thinking much more of an ongoing narrative.
0: So one of the other questions, again, that, that I see quite a lot is around how you actually find the right people to do this stuff. Mm. You know, should you be going after the raving fans who you can relatively easily identify? Should you be moving a step down from that? And and beyond that as well, how do you actually cultivate a community in the long term around user-generated content?
1: So I I would say to get started, um, it's definitely – actually, I would go for the raving fans. Mm-hmm. Um, because go to the go to the i mean i never really like this expression like the lowest hanging fruit <laughs> that, that expression do go to um those raving fans the, the fans who um if you do take a bit longer to get back to them or um things don't go as planned you know they really are there right behind you with it yeah um and you might need to do a couple of you know uh, a couple of goes with them ask them some different questions so start with the really engaged look on your social channels, see who's Engaging, who's tagging? Because also those people will probably know other fans that they can pull in for the second episode or for more stories down the line, and and it's really just again you only need to start with five to ten. Um, yeah. It doesn't need to be that many. And again, if you're then looking at fans uh, all the way through to kind of customers who are the customers who are leaving reviews, um, any one of your loyalty programs. If you're doing anything to engage a community and you've got people that you're talking to in some capacity, those are the. that's the, the best place to start. Um, and also make sure, of course, as, as anyone would, you know, you've know, you got a good diverse range of people that you are starting with because that's also going to help you grow in the right way too.
0: Okay. And, and when we're talking about these people, again, there's a distinction here between what we're talking about, which is user-generated video and content as opposed to influencer content which is obviously nowadays is very much paid for and does normally involve a more professional angle so we're not talking about going out and thinking right I'm going to do this user-generated campaign now who are the influencers out there we're not talking about that we're talking about everyday people
1: Exactly. This is not this is not influencers. This is that's why I liked when you said raving fans. I was like, that's Mm. exactly it. Like these are people who are genuinely passionate about the products you have about the services that you're offering. Um, And and that's where you're going to get the most dynamic content. I mean, we've, we've created stories of people who probably don't even have social media accounts, or maybe they do, but they're private. It's not about the following. But their video is so infectious. It goes viral. People mm-hmm. want to engage with it. Um, and we've seen this time and time again with viral videos. I, you know, influencers, I I believe there's a trust challenge that's coming there. Um, I know then that micro influencers is a space, but I think it's all about people who are the most passionate and care so deeply about what you do. That's, that's where you need to start.
0: As a very top line thing, what do you think can be achieved using user-generated stuff that more professional forms of marketing and social content can't achieve?
1: There's a list of um, of things. I think it's definitely looking at authenticity. It's looking at the relatability. It's looking at the human um, and, and sort of building that trust in that way. It's also looking at the agility of it. So the fact that you can turn this content around so quickly, you can be so relevant, you can um, be really agile. You know, I, I was so impressed. COVID hit, lockdown hit. And I think what felt like a matter of days, we were seeing user-generated ads on TV that must have been thought of, turned around, produced so fast and so much mm. faster than their probably normal summer, summer or Easter campaigns they were thinking of, of, of putting together, or maybe it even produced, and they then had to pull them. So yeah, I would say it's the the authenticity, the trust, the relatability on one side, which is so important. Um, and then on the other side, it's the speed, agility, cost saving um, and the fact that actually you can most importantly now create with anyone anywhere in the world and you're not restricted to the big cities. And, and again, in terms of championing that kind of inclusive message, which is so important right now and again is you know, key to the social movements we're seeing, um, user generated almost actually creates, a well, there are no excuses now. Um, you need to make sure that you're creating with a as diverse a group as possible.
0: If you'd like to talk to Emily, contact her on LinkedIn or look up Seenit.io. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.